Thanks for listening to the Jazz Joe Hall Show podcast. Today on the pod, Surrey Mayor Brenda Locke joins us to discuss why she's using infrastructure dollars to reduce the city's proposed property tax hike. Plus, Trudeau blinks. The Prime Minister finally orders two probes into Chinese election interference. We speak to the MP who lost a seat to foreign meddling. And patio season. Vancouver looks to make COVID patios permanent. And all it took was a global pandemic. That's all next on the Jazz Joe Hall Show podcast. Let's get to our top story. We learned in the past 24 hours, of course, that Surrey City Council is considering reducing a proposed property tax rate hike by using recently announced funding from the provincial government. Now, as part of the provincial government's $1 billion growing communities fund, Surrey will receive just under $90 million. It's a one-time grant that all cities will receive, of course, um, in British Columbia. Surrey uh, proposes it may use the new funding to shave five points from a proposed 17.5% property tax site. More than half of Surrey's proposed tax site, 9.5%, had been earmarked for costs associated with scrapping the city's transition to a municipal police force. Joining me now to discuss the issue is Surrey Mayor Brenda Locke. Ms. Locke, thank you for joining us today for having me, Jeff. Uh, question number one to you is, why do you want to use the infrastructure funding to reduce the property tax? You've got a growing community, 1,500 new residents a month moving to Surrey, huge demands on recreational services, on your roads. There's plenty of demand always for new infrastructure, especially for a growing city like Surrey. Why do you want to use this dollar, these dollars for a one-time property tax reduction when you could be building community centers that would be you know, around the community for decades? Right. So that's exactly what we are doing, Jazz. One of the uh, largest items that we're going to be using the uh, infrastructure dollars for is for that third rink at Cloverdale, third ice arena. We are already committed to two rinks and uh, economy of scale is always best to have three. And so we're building the third rink and this uh, infrastructure money will allow us to do that. We had actually pulled that out of the... um, uh, budget because the public were loud and clear they didn't want to see an increase of 17.5 percent but this allows us to put that rink back into play and so that is uh, a, a great opportunity for Surrey to use it for that specific item and that that rink is uh, north of 30 million dollars to put the third rink on but well well worth the uh, value for us in Surrey. So the money that you save by building that third rink, I mean, could the money that you're saving go towards other infrastructure projects? I'm just trying to say, I know you're moving money around, but somewhere along the way, whatever money it frees up still goes towards dealing with this police transition, does it not? uh, What we're doing with the police transition, because you're absolutely right, that's that big $160 million uh, delta that we had this year on uh, policing and that money will be extended over a further period of time we were going to when we were talking about uh, bringing in at 9.5 we were going to be pretty much having that over with in two years we are now going to take that as an at an extended time and pull out some of the infrastructure that we were looking at the 90 uh, million dollars allows us to put the rink back into play, we're still going to do 4.5, and that will be an extended uh, time. We will amortize the 116, in other words, for a longer period of time. When you say longer of period of time, you mean three or four years? I'm just trying to... Yes, 
yeah. over, over four years. So yeah. just to confirm yeah. here, you said thirty. You 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 will you'll receive just under ninety million from the province on this right. infrastructure funding. Thirty million will go towards building the uh, third rink uh, in Cloverdale that you were speaking right. of. And I just want to clarify this: is where would the other sixty go? Would partially that go towards the transition for this year, and then would it go for anything no, else? No, there won't. No, we're not. It's not going towards the transition, but it is allowing us to put infrastructure dollars back into play that we had taken out because the public were pretty um, loud and clear that they didn't want to see that that number um, but uh, so we we had to adjust our budget downward and in doing that we were taking out infrastructure so for example the the uh, Cloverdale Ice Arena is one the Newton um, the uh, Newton Community Centre and Swimming Pool was going to be uh, uh, phased in. We don't have to do that now. We can do that large project all at once, which is, is also a huge benefit. But there's going to be lots of smaller infrastructure projects that we can do with the, the money. Um, things like uh, walking paths in some of our parks. And I know I've talked to a number of the uh, Surrey MLAs that have some ideas of what they want to see in their area. So, so the sixty million you're saying the the total ninety is going towards infrastructure. Oh, absolutely. That's what it's for. I mean, we can't uh, use infrastructure dollars for operational. It won't work. I mean, we um, we have a pretty sophisticated group of. Um, people that do take care of our dollars here. It would never work for us to do that. We'd just be faced with more and more um more and more challenges every year if we did that. This at, is definitely going for infrastructure. At the same time, the $90 million, as you say, goes towards infrastructure, and it does provide you extra dollars and perhaps some flexibility financially. But because of the transition and the challenges of that transition, whatever people support RCMP mm-hmm. or Surrey Police Service, at the end of the day you are still financially bound at the end of the day to deal with this transition, or at the very least, uh, yeah. these are dollars, there's significant more dollars that could have gone to infrastructure and needs immediately is, what, is the sort of sense I'm getting from you. Yeah, so we have $116 million shortfall this year. There's no getting away from that, and that is with or without the decision on the SPF. That is that is with or without that. We have $116 million we have to accommodate, and instead of taking it all at uh, uh, on a shorter time frame, we are going to amortize it over, over a longer period and do it at 4.5. But what we were going to do is take some of those uh, things like the Cloverdale Ice Arena, like phasing in at Newton, and maybe some of our walking paths that we've got planned downstream, we're going to be able to put those into play a lot faster because of of this infrastructure money. You were quoted in the Vancouver Sun as saying today that, quote, should the police transition be allowed to continue, which would, I guess, mean RCMP to SPS, should the police transition be allowed to continue, the extra costs would not be covered in the proposed 2023 budget. Could you explain or elaborate on that? If we we get to a place where um, the government is saying to us or prolonging this an, an awful lot longer i think uh, people heard last night our our expense over and above is about eight million dollars a month just to keep this uh, sort of um fickle time if you will the time that we don't know uh, which police 
department we have, that's costing us about $8 million a month. So um, that's the challenge. The longer this goes, the longer, the more money this is costing us. And if we don't get a decision soon, or if we went to the SPS, our numbers will go up significantly because everything we did was based on keeping the RCMP as the police of jurisdiction. And that is that is what we base this budget on. I just want to go back to a question I just asked earlier. But So the $116 million, I just want to confirm this, you are now trying to amortize that over a few years. How many years, $116 million, how many years do you think that will have to be amortized to reduce four. the immediate cost? So four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, when will the final decision on this budget be made? Uh, April the April the third is our next meeting, and that that budget will come back with the new numbers. Will come back to us at the April third uh, council meeting. Have you been given any indication as to when the provincial government will provide you information in regards to the uh, uh, the transition or non transition? Certainly, the decision from the provincial government. Any idea when you'll 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 hear from them? I I don't know. Um, I did uh, I did talk with the premier, and he said it would be very soon. So um, I'm I'm hopeful. Fingers are crossed. It will be uh, within the next uh, week or two. Week or two. Uh, although to be fair, Jazz, mm-hmm. I think I've said that before. So <laughs> I'm just really hopeful that it's going to be quickly. Uh, my final question to you, and I'm not even sure how to phrase this. Look, you got $90 million. You're telling me that it's all going to infrastructure. At the same time, you have $116 million shortfall. You're amortizing those costs over four years, as you say. You're a city that is growing, adding 100, uh, 1,500 new residents a month, as I've said before. Uh, you shouldn't be in this fiscal bind. There's always challenges in regards to how dollars should be spent. But mm-hmm. for a young community that is growing, adding more citizens, adding a greater and greater tax base, you're in a lot of fiscal trouble. Whether you support RCMP or, or not or SPS, whatever it may be, you're in some fiscal trouble as a community right now. You have some tough times ahead. We are, Jeff. Um, you know, if I look back four years ago, I would have never agreed to – and I didn't. I, did, I never supported uh, the previous council's budget. Um, but it was all about cuts. It was all about rechanneling money into the Surrey Police Service and what was around that. It was about extending, um, extending our debt, our external debt. When we came in in 2018, when previous council came in at 2018, this city owed $150 million to the Municipal Finance Authority. Today, we all we owe almost $360 million to the Finance Authority. We have been working on a false economy for three years. We haven't done anything for our road infrastructure. And I can tell you there'll be some of this $90 million will be going to uh, different road issues because we have uh, road challenges all over this city. We, um, we only put a 2.9% increase in the last three years. That barely keeps the lights on. Barely. And in today's dollars, it doesn't even keep them on. Ms. Locke, thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Look forward to chatting with you in the future. Thank you, Jeff. 
Today, Conservative Party leader Pierre Polyev accused Prime Minister Justin Trudeau of playing into China's hands by refusing to hold a public inquiry on foreign uh, interference. Uh, Yesterday, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau's government promised to appoint a special rapporteur within weeks uh, to investigate claims that China meddled in Canada's last two elections in 2019 and in 2021. Uh, Take a listen to Mr. Polygib today in the House. There will also be something called a rapporteur, a fake new position that they have invented. Rapporteur. Does it come with a costume, maybe a cape and a sword? Now, that was an ongoing conversation and debate. Now, Mr. Trudeau has said that rapporteur uh, can decide whether or not there should be an independent public inquiry or to go in a different direction as well. But in many ways, uh, some have argued also that Mr. Trudeau, who has been hesitant Uh, in looking deeper into this issue and uh, has been quite frankly shamed into moving into this position because of not only pressure from um, Mr. Polygev, Jagmeet Singh, uh, many other elected officials, but also public, the public itself and their sentiment. Joining me now is Kenny Chu. He's a former uh, Conservative MP from Richmond. Uh, His writing was one authorities have said that uh, was targeted by the Chinese government uh, and he joins us now and has been a good friend of this show and we enjoy talking to him because uh, he has a lot to say. Uh, Mr. Chu, thank you for joining us today. Good afternoon, Jeff. So you and I have probably talked five, six, seven times on this show. Uh, what did yesterday um, mean to you? Were you at least um, at least uh, you know happy to finally get to a point where there is at least conversations about a, a probe and potentially a public inquiry? Utter disappointment is how I describe my sentiment because I thought after all these dialogues and and I've been paying attention to. Uh, you know, the the conversations that they are having in the parliament and, you know, our prime minister and also the liberal caucus has been expressing their concerns. And, uh, you know, if they seem very willing to do something. And yet at the same time, yesterday, all I hear is just a bunch of uh, alphabet soup um, uh, mumbo jumbles. I mean, for ordinary Canadian, I can't I can re- really fault them for not knowing what site is, CSIS, uh, NCCOP, and CRA, and all these acronyms that that is pronounceable. Uh, but unfortunately, that's what um, our Prime Minister has now proposed to layer on top of all these um, committees and task force yet another layer. Um, he's gonna he's gonna hire somebody. To study the uh, the studyability of of all these departments and and get them to provide reports exclusively to the prime minister office for redacting, and and that's just frankly not acceptable. Uh, it's it's not just not acceptable for um, you know the conservatives, but also Canadians demand transparency. In fact, just. You know, CSIS for years now has been advising the prime minister uh, on this particular subject, foreign interference, because it's so critical to our countries, uh, to be to be open and transparent. And yet this is exactly the reverse that we are seeing 
the uh, the government's been behaving. That's disappointing. But doing, I mean, I understand your frustration, but at the end of the day, uh, appointing this rapporteur, it looks like public sentiment is at the point where you do need a public inquiry. I mean, we, we have allegations. First of all, uh, some whistleblower at CSIS has leaked this information to Global News and the Globe and Mail for all of this to come out, number one. You have had significant amount of evidence pointing to Two elections where China has meddled, their uh, consul officials have meddled in 2019 and 2021. There's been significant evidence where they are operating secret police stations in uh, Toronto area and uh, in Vancouver as well. Uh, They kidnapped the two Michaels, two of our citizens kidnapped and held hostage for their diplomatic needs. You've got uh, Huawei wanting to build our 5G uh, infrastructure network that speaks to our inability as broadly as political and culture that has allowed them to build or wanting to build at one point, but if it wasn't for pressure, we would have still been having this conversation. You've got joint research projects with Chinese scientists and our universities as well. We, I mean, beyond just public inquiry, I mean, this has to be a much broader conversation than just meddling, right? Don't you think so? I mean, we need to have a broader China strategy here uh, because if you just look at the evidence over the last five, seven years, we have just been asleep at the wheel. Absolutely, Jess. I mean, you forgot to mention that a couple of years ago, we also have the People's Liberation Army's scientists, researchers invited to collaborate with uh, Canadian scientists as, at the highest level of uh, microbiology lab in Winnipeg. Yeah. And when Parliament inquired under what circumstances our uh, Canadian scientists were dismissed, the government decided to take Parliament to court and then followed by calling the election in 2021, September. And and so, I mean, these are things, you know, it's, it's a strain of scandal. It doesn't seem like they, they really care about that particular file, not not even mentioning about the SNC-Lavalin, Mark Norman, and all these other scandal, we charity. So I, I, I think Canadians are getting to the boiling point that we need to come, we need the government to come clean. Uh, when did they know about this? How much have they done? Uh, when we when we brought about uh, the allegation of uh, Chinese inf- influence on one particular uh, now member of parliament, Han Dong, the prime minister has said that uh, it is and you know anti Asian racism. Uh, you know the question is not what Han Dong has done. It's actually what Prime Minister has done upon their receipt of CISA's notice that this particular candidate could have been compromised. Did he investigate? Maybe he clear Han Dong's name, but he never come clean. He never come to tell us what he has done as a leader of the Liberal Party, as a Prime Minister. So, I, you know, as a Canadian, I'm just flabbergasted. I'm, I'm just extremely disappointed in our Prime Minister. Kenny, thank you for your time. I look forward to chatting with you uh, in the weeks ahead. I'm going to assume if we do get to a public inquiry, you'll be asked to testify and and do appreciate you uh, always making time for us and look forward to having you on the show soon. Thank you, Jess. Vancouver City uh, Council's meeting today and everybody was uh, staring at and looking at development bylaw number 3575. Now that sounds very bureaucratic, but of course it's uh, in regards to the temporary expedited patio program or just simply patios. And I can tell you that City Council has voted to amend the patio bylaw today, making it permanent. We will actually have patios in our city, as you can remember. Um, It was brought on first because of health concerns 
bones um, and our ability to sit inside. And of course, uh, we've been talking and discussing uh, patios for, well, over decades in this city. We just never got around to it. It took a global pandemic. And now they have been made uh, permanent as of today moving forward. Joining me now is Kelly Gordon, uh, part owner of Romer's Burger Bar. Kelly, thank you for joining us. Jazz, thank you uh, for having me back on. Appreciate yeah. it. No, I wanted to chat with you uh, for sure. How has it been so far, uh, just overall in regards to Patty, the last couple of years? How would you describe sort of your experience with it? I think it's been crazy busy. We were uh, lucky enough to have uh, a couple of our patios expanded during the COVID uh, exercise there, and uh, we had some great times and certainly saved a lot of jobs. I can tell you that out there. It was, it was good. Mm-hmm. Did you have any difficulty in regards to charges or anything bureaucratic in regards to actually building the patio? When I look back at it, uh, we, we got a little bit ahead of the game, so we were probably uh, in a better position than many people. But it certainly was uh, unclear the process at that time, but everybody agreed to move forward, and it, and it kind of worked for the time, but I think it, and now we need a little bit more structure. Uh, when you say more structure, what would you like to see? Well, I think the first thing is is just a clear and simple application process. Hmm. Uh, that would help. And then, you know, I, I think an expedited uh, turn time uh, to get those uh, applications processed somewhere three to four weeks would be ideal in our situation. Mm-hmm. When you say expedited, what, what, did the, what does the process look like now? It's unclear. And I think uh, it's that lack of clarity that uh, is having some people a bit confused out there. So the quicker uh, Mayor Sim and his team can get that process absolutely crystal clear and the application's clear, it's going to make everybody happier. Mm. In regards to uh, the patio itself, is it based on how many uh, seats you have inside and a certain percentage of that you're, you're allowed outside? Well, I think we're going to get the devil in the details coming down the road. I, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be comfortable commenting on that right at this point, to be honest. But uh, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see what the, what the, the balance looks like. There. Uh, but in in your experience, what you have now, when you added seats outside in the patio, were they uh, the seats you already have licensed inside that you can move a portion of those outside? Or were you yeah, able to get extra seats? We basically, we basically borrowed uh, um, uh, those seats from outside and... Uh, from inside and move them outside, and that's how we got the extra capacity. And uh, uh, every, everybody cooperated very well on that, so we were we were happy. But we knew there was a time coming when uh, there would be some more uh, you know, paperwork involved. Yeah, do you worry that it may get too bureaucratic? What I mean by that is, it, it's it's. Um it's a patio. It shouldn't be that complicated. But even in the last two years, there was concern raised by the cost. Uh, sometimes uh, the rules weren't as clear as they needed to be. You apply it to one potential business, but not another business. Do you worry that this process gets bogged down? Even now, uh, bars still, uh, people are frustrated by what you, what you can do, you can't do. At one time, we were debating what size TVs they could have in there, uh, even happy hour and those types of things. Do you worry that perhaps... We complicate things, and bureaucracy and governments have a tendency to do that sometimes. Are you worried that it might get too complicated? Absolutely, and and that and that is what happens is someone's got a manual out there, and it says you can only do this. There's limited flexibility, and sometimes rational minds just have to get in in between that and said, 
and and say this is going to be okay and and that's uh, that's our biggest worry is that uh there is some flexibility uh within every application and that uh you know maybe picking up the phone is better than an endless amount of emails back and forth uh, and this is a tough one to answer but anecdotally i'm sure you talk to other restaurant tours are the rules any different in other cities compared to vancouver let's say a surrey or port coquitlam are they generally the same or or are you hearing uh, different things for different communities well, I know sitting in my, I'm sitting outside uh, my own restaurant in Port Moody today, and uh, I, I got to tell you, that's a, a say yes community. Uh, they have been absolutely wonderful to work with, uh, as has Victoria. Um, Vancouver has been the more uh, difficult, but they're also the biggest area. So a lot of people do take the, a lot of communities take their lead from the city of Vancouver. Hmm. Uh, I, I'm just curious, are there any jurisdictions in Canada or even the U.S. that you really like that, that really um, have got it, really do it right in regards to patios? Two cities that absolutely stick out in my, my mind is Montreal, uh, that is a great place to spend a summer day and on the patio. And uh, my favorite, uh, favorite little secret is uh, San Diego and the Gaslight District. It's, I just love it there. What, what do they do well in your mind? Well, it's 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 sort of a, an open ball concept. And you walk up and down, and there could be a live band in this area, a patio in that area, a restaurant in this area. And it just has a flow to it that is wonderful. And we're lucky in Port Moody to have Brewers Row out here. And maybe a Saturday is spent uh, wandering between the four or five properties out there. And that kind of reminds me of San Diego. So that's where we need to get to in your mind. In regards to true culture, um, enough flexibility and perhaps treating adults like adults and rather, rather than sort of the, uh, the, the, the large arm of government sort of watching over you and, and perhaps being a bit too bureaucratic. Uh, nothing would make me happier than to be able to wander between a few extra places with um, my wife and our dog and enjoy a, a nice time on a patio out there and, and it just be easy. We're all adults. What is it about this city? And I mean, broadly, Metro Vancouver, perhaps as us, us as Canadians. Why does it take a global pandemic for us to get to this point? That's a heck of a good question. I don't know if I have an answer other than necessity was the mother of invention. And when we saw potentially a whole industry uh, in peril, uh, I just think government stepped up and did the right thing. And sometimes the macro question uh, should exceed the micro problems uh, in a situation like this. Yeah, well, I, I'm glad it's happened. I, I think it's fabulous, and I'm hoping we can, we can keep it uh, safe, uh, clean, and efficient for everybody, And because I think Vancouverites and all Metro Vancouver residents love the idea of a patio. Uh, it's just it's too bad it took a global pandemic, but we got here, and uh, it's a fabulous uh, response, and it's good news for the city of Vancouver, and I'm sure many other municipalities in and around British Columbia. Kelly, thank you so much much for your time today. Yeah, you're so welcome, Jazz. And just remember, we're only one 16 to 18 degree day from patio chaos in Vancouver. Because, <laughs> man, it's been a cold late February, early March. I'm sitting outside and there's snow on my patio right now. And I go, guys, I promise you it's coming. It is coming. And you know what? I'm done with winter. Uh, my wife was just saying that the other day. Uh, the other day. I'm sure many other, many other people feel the same way. We are done with winter. Thank you very much. All right, Great, Kelly. Great talking to you again. All right. Thank that you is, so much for having me on. Oh, Bye. my pleasure. That is Kelly Gordon, uh, part owner of Romer's Burger Bar. Time now to revisit our lead story. We had uh, Mayor Brenda Locke join us today, of course, talking about the $90 million uh, fund that they received from 
the provincial government. It was part of the uh, uh, government uh, in- infrastructure fund that the province announced not too long ago, a billion dollars. Surrey's portion of that was just under uh, $90 million. She says that is going towards infrastructure, uh, but uh, there's been a lot of people who are very skeptical about that. I want to talk to uh, Richard Zussman about um, whether they can use the money for the police transition costs or does it have to be part of community infrastructure. Joining me now, of course, is Richard Zussman, Global BC's legislative reporter. Hello, Richard. Hey, Jess. How are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, we had uh, Brenda Locke on. She maintains that it is money. The $90 million will go towards uh, a third uh, a rink in uh, Cloverdale. Uh, and it also go towards uh, the pool, the new pool that they're building. The first phase is $100 million in Newton. Uh, but it, she still also maintains that they owe $116 million. There's a shortage of $116 million. And that's due to the police transition. What kind of comments have you heard from the minister in regards, or the government, in regards to how these dollars can be used? Yeah, so we heard from both the Premier and from Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth today, and both of them said that this is a legitimate way that the city of Surrey can use these funds. That is why they are there, to help support infrastructure. But the Premier noted and warned that if this is the long-term solution Mayor Locke is looking for, she needs to look somewhere else, because this is one-time funding that is built into this infrastructure fund based on this uh, surplus the province is currently working with. And we expect there will be potential long-term costs associated uh, with the police transition, and that long-term money is not coming uh, from the province. So uh, if the mayor sees this as a solution to offset those increases, whatever happens with the police transition decision, uh, it may only be a short-term solution rather than a long-term one. But uh, both the premier and the public safety minister echoed that, that, that you know, this is why the fund exists to help support communities to build infrastructure. It can be projects that are currently on the books, as is the case here with the uh, additional rink in Cloverdale, uh, but it's not police transition money. This is not money being tapped in to help uh, support the decision that was made by uh, the, the council in Surrey and by extension the people of Surrey. It does, however, speak to look. It gives perhaps Surrey a bit more flexibility in, in getting uh, some of the infrastructure needs dealt with immediately. The rink, of course, being one in the pool that is needed in the Newton area. But it does speak to when you've got $116 million sitting there, and that is a shortfall for you. Uh, you you've got to believe there's got to be other uh, priorities before the city that are now going to be kicked down the road because of this challenge. And ultimately, there's not, and I think the premier's right here. Is it's this is not the provincial taxpayers' problem. This is your problem, and those of you, uh, that you and six hundred thousand residents, there are going to have to deal with it within the financial capacity that you have. And this is a problem that uh, Mayor Locke inherited, right? You and I have talked a lot about this. I think this would have been a much easier situation if former Mayor Doug McCallum had been more forthcoming on the sort of costs we were looking at. Allow the public to look at the contract that we have now seen that shows uh, these significant severance payments, to have a better understanding of the pressures around staffing. And all of that would have given more clarity uh, to the electorate around understanding why these decisions come. Change is expensive. We're seeing this across the board. You know, you've seen the graphic I have. We keep running it on Global BC, showing these property tax increases across the region. The places that have the highest increases are largely places that had a change of government through the last election cycle. You know, new administrations want to come in and start putting in new ideas. New ideas cost money. 
And we know this police transition is one of those things that is expensive. Cost of living is also a huge priority from the provincial government. And that's why we're seeing funds like this billion-dollar um, municipality infrastructure fund to help sup- offset some of those costs that all communities are experiencing when building things that communities desperately need. I, I was in Surrey on the weekend, Jazz. Mm-hmm. And whenever you're there, and I know there's lots of listeners listening right now who live in that community, you see how desperately needed this infrastructure is. Those communities are growing so fast. We've heard stories time and time again about schools being full the moment they open. I was at the Cloverdale Athletic Park on the weekend watching a friend's kid play soccer, and you could see there that is a place that needs more support. It is a massive athletic center, but there's so much demand for that. And we're seeing that across the region. Is the demand is high, there's a necessity to build. And then when you add on top of that a transition around policing, it, it puts a lot of pressure. And it's ultimately pressure that the taxpayers of Surrey are going to be responsible for. Any sense of when we can expect a decision yeah. on this policing transition? So I spoke to the public safety minister about that today. Um, don't expect it right around the corner. Uh, the promise has always been before tax season is finalized. So the expectation is that comes at some point in April or May. Uh, the minister is working with his public servants to do this as quickly as possible. But I wouldn't anticipate anything as imminent here uh, as in the next few weeks. Uh, legislators go on break for the next two weeks for a spring break that lines up with uh, families in Metro Vancouver. And I would expect that we will get the decision sometime after that. I don't expect that last week in March, although something could happen. I would circle some dates probably in April. They're working through it. There's a lot of gaps, and you and I have talked about this before. The RCMP has not been particularly forthcoming with all the correct data when it comes to graduating officers and how many of them will end up in Surrey. That's the big data point that the province believes it needs in order to make that full assessment on what is safe here. That's, that's a point that the Premier reiterated again today. This is not about politics. This is not about what the people of Surrey said. This is largely, this is only about keeping people safe. And the province needs to know there are enough officers available for whatever force is doing this to ensure the safety in the community. If that means for the short term a hybrid force, then that's what we're going to end up with. And that's looking, at least in the short term, more and more likely no matter where we end up here, because getting one of these forces fully staffed up is going to take time. Yeah, and the mayor even said even keeping uh, even this this period right now where nothing is happening in regards to no more hires, it's still costing the city an extra eight million dollars a month. So she's right. raring to go for the for the premier to, and sorry the for the public safety minister and that. Yeah, and ministry. I think everybody just wants that decision, right? I, I yeah. know the mayor desperately wants the decision to go her way, but clarity is going to help in this situation as well. It will stop you and I and many others from talking about what this looks like if we just know the decision. And the mayor and council can make those determinations around budget, make requests, make decisions, figure out where they can pull money from. It's hard. It's much harder to do that. All of this is largely speculation until you ultimately get that decision um, from the province. The challenge here is we had a decision in the past. Now it's changing due to an election. But getting this next decision is so crucial in order to make those future determinations. Uh how much is is politics playing a role in this? Just in regards to the decision, I know there's they don't they tell you it's not about politics, but ultimately, you know, there's the provincial government or uh, provincial election around the corner for 2024. Yeah. Uh, it's it's got to play a small role in regards to their thinking. Yeah, it's it's funny, Jazz, because I'm not sure the NDP knows what the right decision is politically here in terms of what will save them the most seats or win them the most seats in, in Surrey. The party has done 
well there the last two elections. The Liberals are down to just two seats in Surrey. We know there's an extra seat coming on board. The Liberals desperately need to add seats in Surrey. They'll be circling Surrey Cloverdale on the map, as well as uh, Guilford and Fleetwood as as places where they're going to target. But ultimately, I I believe the public safety minister, the premier, when they say this is an issue about public safety and they don't believe they're getting all the goods at this point in terms of the right information to make that determination if there are enough officers, because ultimately, you know, 20 percent of people in Surrey voted and the vote was incredibly close. So there are a lot of people we're going to vote in the provincial election who didn't have their voice heard in that municipal election. And we're not exactly sure where they stand in terms of the police force. We've never really understood uh, that sort of scale of, of where we're at. And it, and it ultimately has always felt like a 50-50 split to me uh, in that area in terms of uh, Surrey Police Service or Surrey RCMP. So, you know, everything is political jazz. You know, that's why you and I, you know, can make a living <laughs> talking about it. Um, but ultimately, I believe this the core of this is about public safety. It is, yes. But politics does make the world go round, as you and I both know very well. <laughs> Richard, thanks for your time. Yeah, Jazz, my pleasure as always. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Jazz Joe Hall Show podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can always listen to the Jazz Joe Hall Show live Monday to Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on 980 CKNW and connect with me on Twitter at Jazz Joe Hall BC. Talk to you next time.